Hi, everybody. This is Jeffrey Short from MarketScale. Today, we are joined by Dan Sperling, a professor of engineering and environmental science and policy at UC Davis. He's also the founding director of the Institute of Transportation Studies at the school and a board member of the California Air Resources Board. Dan, how are you today? Wonderful. Delighted to talk. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, We're here to talk sort of about the future of public transportation. It's something that, um, you know, when people talk about public transit, there's a lot of great things that it does for everybody, but uh, it often leads to headaches and uh, it hasn't really seen a huge revolution in many, many years. So um, one thing that sort of piqued our interest in this topic at this particular moment is uh, that Google with Google Maps is actually rolling out a program that will sort of tell people when different lines of transportation um, are more or less busy. Um, and, and so we wanted to learn a little bit about the relationship of tech and public transportation. So can you kind of describe to us um, what is that relationship? Do you think that public transportation and cities have implemented enough of this technology, the, the data that is now able to be gathered to improve public transit? Well, public transportation has languished for many, many years. There's been relatively little innovation, very little change. And actually, I could say the same thing about the car, our car system. Our cars are a lot better, but our means of using the cars and getting around are being transformed. And that's something new with electrification and automation. But on the public transit transport side, there's also the opportunity to really transform public transportation as we know it to actually serve many more people, do it more efficiently, and, uh, you know, at less cost, less environmental impact, and, and opening it up to many more people, you know, from an equity perspective, serving people that don't have cars. What is sort of the number one roadblock Um, preventing some of this innovation from really taking a foothold? Well, the kind of innovations we're talking about are there's something we refer to as microtransit, and those are like vans or small buses that are demand responsive. In other words, think of them as Uber on steroids. You use an app to call them, they come to your door, but they're small vehicles, they're vans or, or, or small buses but they're much more demand responsive and they're not following fixed routes or fixed schedules. And that's really the problem mass transit has today, you know, as we know it, is that we're using big vehicles that have fixed routes and fixed schedules. And that just doesn't work in most areas and especially in the United States where our land use is so spread out. You just, it works really well when you have a lot of people in one place going to another place, but that's unusual in our in even in most of our cities once you get out of the downtowns of you know Manhattan and Los Angeles and Chicago uh, people are not well served by public transportation so we need a better way of serving more people in a more efficient way we talk about the data and analytics that is now able to be gathered by industries across you know everything really um, across the world but how can AI and, and this wealth of data really transform public transportation for the better? What are they hoping to sort of get out of any kind of data gathering? Well, the big concept that we talk about is mobility as a service, MAS, M-A-A-S. 
And the idea there is that we can bring together all these transport services so that we can deal with what we call sometimes first mile and last mile. In other words, getting to the train or getting to the bus and getting from to your destination at the other end. Um, we've got to pull together the data and the, and, the, and the management systems and the technology to make it all seamless. And so this concept of MOS is that, think of it this way, you have an app or a, or a portal and all the information for transportation flows through it and all the money flows through it too. Kind of like what we have with Lyft and Uber, but now we're including all these other apps. So it's everything from little electric bikes or scooters to you know Amtrak, and so you just say I'm going from here to there, and it fix it finds the best route, and it arrange, arranges for you the the services along the way. So if you're on the you know you can take a, an electric bike to the train, you get on the train. Uh, and it tells you what the schedule is, and then it also automatically calls a Lyft or Uber when you get to your when you get to the final stop to take you to your final destination. And so that's what we're talking about here: is a seamless system that is very demand responsive uh, to our to us as our needs. And to all those people that are skeptical about this, you know, you think, well, you have your car that takes you from here to there. In this case, you're being chauffeured most of the time. And I think a lot of you, I've gone carless just very recently, and I've come to appreciate how, how valuable that is. There's downsides, but there's huge upsides. Yeah, we actually spoke to an expert recently about the spatial concerns of um, sort of this mobility as a service um, route. But what would be some of those critics' points um, as far as the increase in number of vehicles uh, on the roads? Well, you wouldn't have uh, increased because you would be using, first of all, right now, mass transit, buses and, and rail serve about 2% of our trips. And so, first off, we're going to greatly increase that because now we can provide more access and egress first and last mile uh, much easier. So it will become much more attractive to people and, and to do that, at the same time, we can we have these small buses, this micro transit, and this could include, you know, larger uh, cars and minivans and such. But all what we're talking about is pooling people. Right now, almost all our cars have one driver, one person in it, and that's it. So now we're going to pool rides both in terms of. Uh, the buses and the rail as we know it, but also these smaller micro transit buses and vans. And then even on the Uber and Lyft type uh, vehicles and other services like them, we'll get people to use it. And now because we're providing information and access and making it easy for people for short trips, which actually account for a large percentage of people's travel, they can use scooters or electric bikes uh, to to serve that. So at the end of the day, we are talking about a substantial reduction in, in vehicle miles traveled. Great. And then can you point us to maybe a city or a place that is really making strides in innovation with public transit, or are they all sort of as theoretical at this point? Well, the European cities are doing the best job of this. 
actually Helsinki is the leader. And they've really created something that really is a MOS kind of system, a mobility as a service system, where the public transportation is integrated with these others and all the information and all the money flows are integrated. Um, in the United States, it's hard to imagine many of our, our transit operators rising to the occasion. There might be some, like in Los Angeles, the LA Metro and in, in the New York area, there's a few transit operators could pull this off. But there's a possibility in the US it'll be uh, go through the private sector. So Uber and Lyft are already doing this. If you now, in a lot of cities, uh, with both Uber and Lyft, uh, it'll arrange for you to take a electric bike or scooter. It'll link up, you can take a train, and it'll sometimes link you at the end of your route to, it'll arrange for you, reserve for you a uh, Lyft or Uber car to take you to your destination. They're providing more and more data and more and more information that way. So in a sense, so in fact, they are filling the vacuum of creating these MOS systems. And, you know, there's some concern about the private sector taking over what is a public function. But in fact, if we can get everyone to work together, we will create a far better public transportation system. This might not totally be your area of expertise, but what do you think this might do to the layout of cities and public spaces? You know, that's, I mean, it's a good, it's kind of maybe a, a better way of looking at it is to turn it around that if we can better manage our urban spaces, it'll fit better with all these services. Um, you know, we are working hard at creating services that'll serve people in more suburban and exurban areas. But ideally, we'd have get more clustered development. But that's, you know, from an environmental or economic perspective. So I think there is a trend toward people wanting more of the agglomerations, you know, where they are closer to the restaurants and the culture and so on. And, and we see fewer young people getting licenses and cars. So I think it's likely to naturally go in that way, especially if you can get access to all these transportation services. You know, some of us, as we get older, you know, we lose some of our cognitive skills. We're not such great drivers and actually at the end sometimes can't drive at all. So there's a lot of reasons why creating this kind of transportation system. It's great from an economic perspective. It makes transportation both for society as well as us as users it makes it cheaper it reduces the environmental impact we don't have to build as much uh, as many roads and freeways and and we don't have to build as much parking so that actually creates more public space in our urban areas or space that we can use for other purposes in an urban area and it's much more equitable because it uh, at the end of the day, it's serving a lot more people because you're providing a lower cost service uh, to many more people and they can access it, whether you're disabled or low income or just don't want to drive. Well, that's all really fascinating and it's going to be interesting to see how it all does change right before our eyes um, and just seeing how people get around cities very differently and, and maybe more people having access to get around easier and potentially cheaper, like you said, with the private sector leading the way here. Um, but Dan, that was very great perspective. Um, get, it was great to get your thoughts on everything uh, in the world of public transportation. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Okay, you're very welcome. 
This interview is part of the MarketScale Contributor Program. If you'd like to be featured as a contributor on MarketScale.com, please submit content to publications at MarketScale.com or head to our publications pages at MarketScale.com industries to see more.